Father, we just welcome you now. We welcome you to come and say all that you have to say to us. And I ask for each one of us that we'd be able to hear your voice, like that promise that we were reminded of during the the worship time. Help us to hear your voice and hear your heart and know you better. In Jesus' name. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, our family decided to do a driving holiday to Tasmania. And the last time I had been to Tasmania before that, I was 12 and wasn't involved in any of the planning. And so what we did as we were preparing for this trip is we did a whole lot of research. You know, we went online and looked at TripAdvisor and read blogs of other people who had done driving holidays to Tasmania. And we sort of found out where are the great places to go, the things to do with kids, um, what, what to avoid maybe. And from that, we were able to to plan our trip. One thing that we didn't do so well was look at the weather forecast. And so we actually went to a part of Tasmania that gets three and a half metres of rainfall every year, and we were planning to camp in our tent. And we did, and we got very wet. We woke up sort of in the middle of a lake with a lot of water inside the tent as well. And we hadn't, you know, we hadn't listened to other travellers' reports or reviews of what that particular part of Tasmania was like. And, you know, the spiritual life is a journey. Long before advertisers co-opted the journey metaphor to sell cars and all sorts of other stuff, God's people have been talking through the centuries about how the spiritual life is a journey. But it's not a journey like the world offers of accumulation of wealth or experiences or success. The spiritual life is a journey of learning how to love, of learning how to love God and how to love others. And the wonderful thing for us is that there are many other people who have gone before us on that spiritual journey. And just like we would all listen to, you know, we would all research any any holiday we would be taking, There's actually a lot for us to learn from the people in the Bible and Christians through the ages who have gone through the spiritual journey. Because even though each one of our journeys with God is unique and no two lives look alike, there are common threads in every every journey of a follower of Jesus. There are common seasons that we go through or experiences that we have or hard things, wonderful things that are common to every person's spiritual journey. And today, uh, well, over this series, we've been, we've been looking at tooling up to love. We've been looking at what are some of, the, some of the things that God takes us through on that spiritual journey. And so Matt talked to us about the process of getting to know yourself so that you can know God. Drew talked to us last week about going back in order to go forward, going back and understanding your history, the things that have happened to you, your family, so that you can actually move on from those things and grow into the person that God has you to be. And the spiritual journey, the journey of following Jesus, is a journey of growing into maturity. And I'm going to talk today about one particular part of that journey which is absolutely essential for spiritual maturity. And it's known as the journey through the wall. 
You may also have heard people talk about the dark night of the soul. Sounds great, doesn't it? You're all excited. Yeah. And, you know, as we look at the lives of men and women in the Bible, Job, Jeremiah, David, Moses, Paul, there was no one who pursued God who didn't go through the wall. No one. There were plenty of other characters in the Bible who came up to the wall and refused to go through it. Saul, Judas, Solomon, Gideon. But all the heroes of the faith, they went through this experience called the wall. And if we look through church history as well, it's the same. There are so many writings by God's people through the centuries who have gone through this experience called the wall. Now, the first time I encountered the wall in my life, I had no idea what it was and I didn't have any grid for it, theologically, emotionally, and I did it very badly. And my hope in us talking about the wall today is that we can learn from from others who have actually done this stage of spiritual growth well, so that when we encounter it in the future, because some of, us, some of us have probably encountered walls and some of us probably haven't yet, but so that in, and I'm sure that each one of us will encounter more walls in the future. And so that as we come to those experiences, we can actually navigate them well and actually get all the fullness of what God wants to give us through those experiences. I hope that out of today, we'll be able to value the things that God wants to do in us through the wall and most of all to trust him And I think for many of us, you know, you may have gone through a wall in the past, and I hope that as we talk about this today, it might help to bring some resolution to to some of that experience for you. Preparing this talk has certainly helped me to resolve one of my walls from the past. And the other thing I hope today is that we will learn as a community how to support one another as we go through the wall, how to not be like Job's friends who gave useless advice or damaging advice, but actually to really support and love one another well as we go through this part of the spiritual life. So as I said, the first time in my life that I went through the wall, I was totally unprepared, didn't know what to expect, didn't didn't have any grid for what God might be doing in my life. So after Andrew and I had been married for a few years, we were living over in Kazakhstan, serving God, and we decided it was time to, uh, to start having children. And in my naivety, I thought that that would just happen straight away. But a year went by, no pregnancy. We were quite busy with all the work that we were doing in Kazakhstan at the time, so it was kind of okay. I sort of thought, oh, well, this is taking a bit longer than I expect, but that's all right. Another year went by. A lot of our friends, who some of who got married later than us, started announcing their happy news that they were, they were having their first child. And it started to get painful. Uh, each, each month of disappointment, the grief would, would build up. I'd have a good cry, but, you know, still keep, okay, I'm going to keep trusting God, going to keep hoping about this. Three years came by, four years came by, 
We tried to adopt a child. That all fell through. Um, and the grief and the pain of this experience was something that I was not expecting at all. I started to beg and plead with God, actually long before four years, I started to beg and plead with God. But I would, I would cry out to God and say, God, please come and fix this. I am over here in Kazakhstan. I'm serving you. Can't you just make this part of my life work? And while the pain of not being able to have children was intense and my jealousy of other people was intense as well, the hardest thing of that whole experience was the spiritual anguish, was the feeling of, does God even care? He could fix this. The Bible is full of stories of God just fixing this. Why isn't he fixing this for me? I felt abandoned by God and I actually felt furious with God because, you see, in my understanding, me and God had this contract, like I do all the right things, I obey him, I follow his calling for my life and he enables me to avoid any serious suffering. This is the contract. I didn't realise I had it, but I, I thought there was this contract between me and God. And God was not keeping up his side of the contract. Not at all. In fact, he didn't seem to care about this contract that I had. I felt betrayed and I felt that my faith wasn't working. Why was this happening to me? Just to me. Like everyone else that I knew was fine, but I was going through this. And why? Had I done something wrong? Or does God, was God actually just being quite cruel? Now, when we talk about the wall, we're not talking about the everyday ups and downs of life, you know, the little challenges and trials that we go through. And I don't even think that all suffering that we go through is the wall. You know, a lot of your, you know, many of us have been through different childhood traumatic experiences. I'm not talking about that today because I think the wall is quite a unique spiritual experience. It's an experience that might, is triggered by different circumstances in our life, but it's fundamentally an experience of deep spiritual anguish, of that feeling of, why, God? Where are you? Why aren't you answering my prayers? Why aren't you fixing this? Different things can trigger this in our lives. It could be the death of someone who's close to us. It could be a debilitating illness that's causing physical pain or causing us to not be able to do the things that we want to do. It could be an unfulfilled desire to marry or an unfulfilled desire to have children. It could be the breakdown of a relationship. It could be a really disappointing church experience. It could be the experience of your grown-up children choosing not to walk with God, a shattered dream, or the slow grind of disappointment upon disappointment. It can be short and intense or it can be very long and slow. But it's always accompanied by this spiritual dimension of confusion of where are you, God, and why are you letting me, letting me go through this? So please hear me that I'm not saying that all suffering we go through is the wall because there's actually some hard things that we go through in life where God's presence is really close to us and where we feel his love with us even though we're going through that hard thing. 
But when you go through the wall, you actually feel like God is not there. You actually feel, you don't feel close to God. And the wall is very much a spiritual experience because there are particular things that God only does as we go through the wall. So today we're going to read the story of someone who went through a wall well. We're going to read from Abraham's life. Now, you probably are all familiar with the broad story of Abraham. When he was 75, God called him to leave his country and set off on a big adventure. Uh, God promised that he was going to give him a new land, and he promised Abraham that he was going to have many, many descendants, that he would make him into a great nation, and that the whole earth would be blessed through this family. So Abraham heads off, but then he and his wife can't have children. How is this promise going to be fulfilled? Decades go by. There's this whole mess with another woman, with Hagar, and then a child that comes from that relationship. They go through all these things, and finally, when Abraham turns 100, the promised child comes. Isaac is born. The dream is fulfilled. It's the happy ending to the story, right? Well, no. So I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 22 about what happened next. So this all happened when Isaac was about 12 years old. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, 
which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So in this wall that Abraham went through, God asked Abraham to give up the thing that was most most precious to him, and a really good thing too, his son, who he loved. Now, Abraham has already lost one child, and I think for a parent, there's nothing more painful than losing a child. He's already had to say goodbye to Ishmael and send him away. And here is God saying to Abraham, I want you to give up that child who you love so much. I can't imagine how that would have felt for Abraham. But Isaac was not just just a child. Isaac actually represented the whole dream, all the promises, everything that God had said he would do through Abraham and his family hinged on Isaac. And here's God saying, I want you to give that all up. Give that whole dream up as well. Will you give it back to me? Now, I used to read this story in the Bible and I hated it. It absolutely horrified me. In fact, the whole story of Abraham, if I could have ripped 14 chapters out of the Bible, it would have been those 14 chapters of Genesis that tell Abraham's story. Because it made me ask, who is this God? How could he allow Abraham to go through so much pain? In fact, it seems like God is the cause of a lot of this for Abraham. How could he lead him through 25 years of waiting for a child to be born and then do this, then ask him to give it up. How is that love? Who is this God? And my own wall brought out the same reaction in me when I was going through those um, seven years of waiting for a child. My question was, Who is this God? How could he allow this to happen to me? And I was was horrified, actually, by what God was doing in my life. When people told me that God was putting me through all that pain for a good reason, I wanted to punch them. I think I was quite rude to a few people. Because the thing is that Abraham's story and my story as well, they didn't fit with my idea of love. They didn't fit with my idea of what I thought a loving God should do or who I thought God should be. And generally when people encounter a wall in their life, I think they respond in one of three main ways. One is that they quit. They decide, actually, this whole Christianity, faith in Jesus thing, doesn't work, Um, I'm out, I'm giving up on this. God's not real. If he was real, he would do something about this, so he mustn't be real. The second way people respond is that we withdraw. You know, for me, I couldn't stop believing in God. I'd seen him do too many things already in my life. I knew he was real. I knew Jesus was the answer for everything. (laughs) But I withdrew my heart from God because I couldn't embrace what he was doing in my life. I had no grid for it. I couldn't, I just couldn't conceive that it could be something that would bring good. And so I think for some people, 
We still believe in God, but deep down we stop trusting him. We stop thinking that he's good. And so we withdraw our hearts from him. We keep, might keep going to church sometimes or keep sort of doing some of the Christian stuff, but we completely withdraw our hearts from God. We withdraw our trust from him. We can become hard and bitter or we can become detached and just start looking for our joy and fulfilment in other things in life. But the third way of responding to a wall is with faith and with trust. And that's what we saw Abraham do. Faith is actually the only way to go through the wall and to receive the rich blessing that God wants to bring through it. You know, quitting or withdrawing from God are actually rejecting the wall, are actually saying, no, God, you cannot do that in my life. Um, But the only way to believe that God is good and present in the midst of what we're going through is with faith and with trust. And that's what Abraham did. So I think there are a few things we can learn from Abraham. The first thing is that he, he accepted the path that God put before him. I think the most amazing thing in this story is that God says this to Abraham, go and do this, and then early the next morning he's already up saddling his donkey, getting all the stuff together and just going to do it. If it had been me, I would have been arguing, complaining, wrestling. Should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? But not Abraham. He's just like, all right, off we go. And I don't think Abraham liked what God asked him to do. I think, in fact, he would have felt huge grief and anguish and fear. But he accepted it and he did it anyway. And this is surrender. You know, we sing all these Christian songs about, oh, I surrender to you, God. But surrender is not sexy. <laughs> it's it's. It's bloody, it's messy, and it's saying to God, all right, I don't want what you've put before me, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to accept this. So Abraham accepted the path God put before him. The second thing that Abraham did is that he trusted when he didn't understand. Like Abraham makes the most illogical statement in this story. He says to the servants, stay here. The boy and I are going to go over and worship. I'm going to kill him. And then we're going to come back. We are going to come back. Like there was no logic in that statement that he could both kill his son and come back with his son. But somehow he just trusted God. He trusted when he didn't understand and when it didn't make sense at all. The third thing that Abraham did was he worshipped. He understood that what he was doing was worship. He says to the servants, the boy and I are going to go over there and worship. And surrender is worship. He wasn't worshipping God because he liked the circumstance or because he liked what he was going through, but he was worshipping God because God is still God and God is worthy of worship no matter what is going on in our lives. And that's a painful choice, but it's a choice that will help take us through the wall. And then the fourth thing that we learn from Abraham's story is that God provided a way through. He actually provided a way through this impossible situation for Abraham. 
And Abraham had no idea how God was going to do it. But then somehow, at the last minute, God did. Now, when I went through that wall of all those years of not being able to have children, of not being able to adopt, um, I didn't do it well. I had no, uh, no roadmap for what, what I was doing, for what was happening. And I just didn't want to embrace that experience as a spiritual experience that God was putting me through. I just wanted to get out of the pain. And that's a very natural reaction. But if we do that, we will miss out. Now, the reason why the wall is so hard is because at the wall, there is this huge clash. It's this clash between my desire for my life and God's desires for me. Like my desire, and I think for each one of us, our natural desire is I want to be happy. I want life to be easy and I want it to be comfortable. And I want to get everything I want. Yeah. But God's desire is that I would actually be transformed, that I would grow up, that I would truly get to know him, that I would truly be free of my junk so that I can receive his love and love him back and so that I can give his love to other people. And there is, there is a wildness to the love of God. I think sometimes we think of God and we talk about his love and we have our idea of what that love should look like in our lives, but actually the love of God is fierce and it is wild. There are times when it is comforting and gentle, but actually God loves us too much to not let us go through the wall. And we sang earlier about the reckless love of God. And, you know, God is quite reckless in the way that he loves us, that he is willing to, to risk us misunderstanding what he is doing and walking away from him. He's willing to risk putting us through hell because of the good stuff he wants to bring through it, knowing full well that we may reject him because of that. But God loves us too much to not bring us to the wall and to not want us to go through it. So what does God do at the wall? Well, I think God does two things through the wall for us. The first thing is that we are transformed. The wall brings radical transformation to our character in a way that nothing else does. For Abraham, I think his heart was set free. Like he really loved his son and his son was a good thing. But after this experience, I think Abraham was just free to love God in a way that he'd never been free to before. And you can look at the transformation that happened in Joseph when all those years in, in prison, the transformation that happened in David, all those years of being hunted by Saul and not getting his fulfillment of his promise of being king. For Moses, these 40 years of just of killing someone and then having 40 years of just being a shepherd, right? Life going nowhere. But we see in those stories that God radically transformed their character. And I think that there are just things in us that there's no other way for God to change other than him absolutely taking us through the ringer. And if you read the writings of Christians through the ages, you find the same thing in story after story. 
And the second thing that God does through the wall is he gives us treasure. I think Abraham got to know God in a whole new way through, through this wall. I mean, this experience that Abraham had of offering his son, it's a, it parallels and it points to what God would do later through Jesus, through God actually allowing his son to die. And I think that through that whole experience, Abraham touched something of the heart of God, connected with God in a way that he never could have if he hadn't gone through that. There is treasure in going through the wall and that treasure is the knowledge of God and a a deep abiding experience of God that you then carry through the rest of your life. Like the New Testament talks about this too. Um, I think it talks about it in shorthand in the New Testament. It talks about the gold that God brings into our lives through trials and hardships. Um, It talks about the the wonderful experience of being treated as sons when we go through discipline. And especially, I love Philippians chapter 3, where Paul lists off all the, you know, all the high points of his life and then says, but I consider them trash, actually, compared to the gift of knowing Jesus. And he specifically talks about the fellowship of sharing in Jesus' sufferings. And I think whatever it is that we go through, through the wall, whether it's loneliness, whether it's rejection, whether it's confusion, whether it's loss, Jesus went through all those things in his earthly life. And there's a knowing of Jesus that only comes through sharing in his sufferings. I know we might not want to hear that, but it's just true. And so there is a treasure that comes from going through the wall, from not just running away from it, but actually going through it that will be different for each of us, but is worth it. Now, in my story, I look back on on all those years and you all know that the story has a happy ending. We did finally have children after seven years. And, you know, despite my uncooperativeness, because I didn't cooperate with God at all, I raged, I swore, I ripped up journals. (laughs) I was furious with God. But despite my uncooperativeness, God still brought good things in my life. He humbled me in a way that I don't think could have happened if I hadn't gone through that. Taught me an empathy and a compassion for others that I just didn't have before. And most of all, he showed me that this whole contract thing, that doesn't exist. (laughs) And he's not playing by that. And actually getting free of that has been a really good thing. But I also know that I missed out that I missed out on some of the transformation that God wanted to do in me through that time. And I missed out on some of the treasure that he had for me. And actually preparing this talk has helped me to find some real resolution about that. You know, for Abraham, this wasn't the first time he had gone through the wall. In fact, he had gone through multiple walls in his life. And I don't think he'd done all of them particularly well. And I feel like For each of us too, when we reject the wall that God wants to take us through, he's gracious and he brings along another one. And for me, recently I've gone through an experience of, um, of grief and disappointment and 
as I've gone through that experience, I suddenly realized, oh, this is familiar. What I'm feeling and what I'm praying is familiar. Aha, this is a wall. And just recognizing that has enabled me to actually respond differently. It has still been painful. It's still been hard. I've still had the question of God, where are you? But I've realized that, oh, I could actually choose to trust God in this. I don't have to just kick and scream and push back. And maybe this time I can actually let God do that transformation in me that he wants to do. And I can actually find that treasure. And I think God in his grace, he brings us, when we, when we mess up a wall in our lives, he brings us another one because in his love, he is absolutely committed to that transformation and that treasure coming into our lives. That is his, his wild love for us and his reckless love for us. Now, maybe some of you, as I've been talking, you've been thinking of different experiences in your life and maybe you've realised that actually you've been through it, something that was a wall and you didn't realise it. And I hope that you navigated it better than I navigated mine. Um, but if you didn't, I really want us to take some time today to, to be able to, to bring that to God and to find peace and resolution about it. Because God is gracious and he will bring us more opportunities to go through those walls again. For some of you here, you might have had have no idea of what I'm talking about and you're like, great, hope I never have to go through that. Well, you will. It'll look different to mine, but you will, actually. I'm convinced of that. And I, just, I suggest that you just file this talk away. Just file it away. And when you're going through something where you're like, God, unfair, where are you? Remember this. And remember that you can choose to do what Abraham did. You can accept the path that God puts before you. You can choose to trust when you don't understand. And we can all choose that. It's an act of the will, but you can choose it. And you can choose to worship. You can choose to keep worshipping God for who he is, not for your circumstances, but for who he is because he's worthy. You can choose to keep doing your spiritual practices and disciplines and trust that it will come to an end and God will do those things in your life that he wants to do, the treasure and the transformation. So I wanted us to take some time now to respond to, to God Perhaps some of you are actually in the middle of a wall right now. Perhaps you are asking God, where the heck are you? Why aren't you responding? Why don't I feel your love at the moment? And if that is you, then I just encourage you to come to God and to offer him your trust as a sacrifice. It's a costly sacrifice, but you can give it and to give him your worship. And if that is you, we would love as a community to support you not as Job's friends who say, well, if you just do this, this and this, it'll all go away, but actually as fellow journeyers on the spiritual journey, we want to come alongside you and encourage you to keep going through the wall. And I would also love to have an opportunity to pray for anyone who, like me, feels like they've navigated a wall really badly in the past and need to find some, some reconciliation with God and some resolution about that. So Andy and Alina are going to lead us in a song, I believe. 
Um, and just take some time to pour out your heart to God, to respond, to bring your questions, to bring your pain. Uh, and then we'll have some, some time to pray.